So today I am meeting Jana or Janagan Alagaraja. Is that have I said that correctly? Alagaraja. Alagaraja. Okay, I've been practiced all day <laughs> and I still got it wrong. So it's a lifetime. <laughs> and we're sitting in the Great Northwood. Great Northwood pub in West Norwood and in fact I googled West Norwood just to see exactly where we were because although it says West Norwood we're actually in south southeast London yeah which yeah. I not where I would expect I was going to be exactly. <laughs> around West Norwood you were surrounded by an oxygen lung of parks so you've got Crystal Palace mm-hmm. Brockwell Park Dulwich You've got the Tooting Beck or Tooting Beck Common, is yeah, it? And yeah. the Lido nearby. So you're really in a fantastic area surrounded yeah. by green space. Yeah, and we're high up, so we're like sort of out for the smog. Yes, it's a good place to be. I think yeah. I might be moving here next. <laughs> this is the Travelling Through Podcast. I'm your host, Emma, and today my guest is Jana Alagaraja. He came to London from Sri Lanka, age three, as a refugee. He believes everybody has a migration story. He was a regular at the Travelling Through Bookshop and this is his unique story about London, the world and life. So another thing about West Norwood is, funnily enough, this is where I used to get the coffee for Travelling Through. I think, Jana, were you a coffee drinker or you were more of a, a tea drinker? I think um, coffee sent me a bit demally, so I had to be very careful with the coffee. But so I, ha- I have had some. Though. You did? <laughs> very nice. I was actually trying to remember the first time that you came into the shop and all I remember is you always had your bicycle with you because you always <laughs> seemed to be en route going somewhere else yeah. afterwards. Uh, her name is Matilda. That's so yeah, right. we, we were, um, I think we were just passing through because we were going to the cafe next door. And then I just saw this new thing opening up and there was like a blurb of traveling through and what it was. And I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. <laughs> so I was just waiting for it to finally to open. To finally yeah. open. Yeah, because I think you, you came in fairly soon after we, we opened. Yeah. And then I, I got regular updates about your what you were planning to do. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then I was amazed. Suddenly you came and saying, I need a book about uh, traveling down the Pacific coast. And this was an amazing trip that you then took. Yeah. For, was it the refugee cycle for Save the Children? Yeah, it was Save the Ch- Children's um, Refugee Crisis Appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, so raising money for children in refugee camps, essentially. And this was in 2016 mm-hmm. when the refugee crisis was at its height? At its peak, yeah. At its peak. Yeah, I was just seeing stuff on the TV and hearing stuff on the, on the radio and I just wanted to kind of try and do something. One of the things that intrigued me was that during this cycle ride, mm-hmm. you were carrying an urn of tea so that you could <laughs> stop and have conversations with a cup of tea along, along the way. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I called it empathy. Empathy, but, but playing on the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so Fantastic. it's a bad, a bad pun, but um, essentially, like, my parents are from Sri Lanka and I've grown up in the UK, so tea's in both cultures. It's really, really important as a way of sort of Yes. Getting people to open up and for them to feel comfortable and sort of sharing thoughts and sharing experiences with them. So I thought in that climate of, of hatred and for, of people closing themselves and withdrawing into their own countries and into themselves, tea could be a really effective tool to, to, to get people to open up and to think about shared shared humanity. So that's the empathy yes. part of it. So yeah, so tea is a kind of way of facilitating conversations about of shared humanity in, in, in the context of the re- refugee crisis. So along the way, did you just kind of come across people and say, yeah. shall we stop and just have a cup of tea and yeah. have a chat? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I got sponsored actually by um, some local tea companies, which is really nice. So I got all the tea that I was given was just, I wrote lots of letters out 
Yes. And I then, um, so I took the tea with me and when you're cycling, weight is very important. People take it very seriously. What should I bring? Should I bring one tire? Should I bring two? I had a whole pannier full of tea. <laughs> so, I mean, I... In, in it's light of... though, isn't it? So uh, yeah, I had a lot of it, yeah. <laughs> I had tea from like Syria and Iran and Sri Lanka. I had lots of different oh, wow. teas with yeah. me. So that is a real talking point in itself, isn't yeah. it? Before you even get on to talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. the refugee crisis. Exactly, yeah. So this is, it was a bit strange. And then I sort of um, got some bunting, actually. And Americans, you know, they'd never... The word bunting is like a new thing for them. I mean, mm. they... they they're like, is that like hanging triangles? Like, what, what is that? You know, it's like, I would just, yeah, I would basically, we'd ride, we would be riding and we would be camping the whole way through from up from Vancouver down to Tijuana along the Pacific coast. Mm-hmm. And then when I'd get into some sort of town or a place, like, we, I would just erect a bunting right. and then make some tea and then yeah. just like wait for people to come and to, chat. To come and oh, chat. That's fantastic. And I bet you had some quite interesting conversations as a result yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i mean i think america is uh, it's quite a big melting pot isn't it so people always have i, I designed a, a questionnaire with um, save the children who who the, the money was going to help yeah uh, around uh, migration so it was like meant to debunk some myths but also get people to kind of think about their own backgrounds where they come from because when people go oh you know i'm 100 english i'm 100 american it's almost impossible to be like that most people yeah. have some sort of migration story and particularly as as yourself coming from sri lanka yeah. too i mean yeah. there was that conversation itself about your journey i mean were people intrigued to know what your journey had been yeah i guess so yeah some people asked some people asked me i mean um yeah i think when they think of an english person or a british person they don't think of brown skin they've got this stereotypical sort of image of uh, of someone in their mind but yeah i think the um thing about being from the uk well more specifically from london is that we've all got sort of stories i think it kind of thinking about my own story connected me up to what was going on with these people because i my, you know, my parents came here as refugees in the 90s um, and I was three years old and we came here right. um, and things could have gone very differently if we didn't manage to leave the country because Sri Lanka was in a state of civil war you know people were getting tortured and killed and kind of genocide at the time so mm-hmm. we were incredibly lucky to be able to, to leave, to leave yeah. um, and then to find a place where we can be safe and for, for me in my mind I, I think that um, it was it was just luck really that that brought me here and mm-hmm. if, if that didn't happen then I could have been dead or my family could have been dead or we could have been in a really bad situation so mm-hmm. um, I feel really grateful but I, I guess I look at other people and I think some people are not so lucky yes. and yeah. why shouldn't they be able to just have their basic human rights and be, be able to live in safety mm-hmm. um, and I think we all have responsibility to, to help people who don't have a choice if you can't live in your own country because mm-hmm. it's not safe then mm-hmm. you know, we have the responsibility to try and help because yeah, we, totally we could yeah. all be in that situation for sure, Yeah, um, you never know how things can turn around just like that yeah exactly yeah, yeah. wow so there are still there's a li- there's a link that we can give the listeners to it's, have you closed yeah the... it's it's not open anymore because i think we, we hit our target but they right. can still donate to save the to children because they're 
their work with refugees is, is still ongoing. So right. Okay, so we'll, we'll do that in case anyone is interested Fantastic. To, to do that. Anyways, you're here to, to uh, be part of our, our Travelling Through podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm, yeah, I'm thank very, you for the very excited to have you as one of our guests. <laughs> okay, thank and, you very much. <laughs> and you've been working all day, so you probably wanted to go home and put your feet up rather than come and sit in a pub and talk to me. But no, no, I've been looking forward to it. <laughs> have you? Have, yeah. Well, that's good. Okay, well, the way I'm, I'm basing it is like three sort of groups of questions. Okay. with some quick fire questions to, to kind of loosen it up or liven it up in between okay. so, but I'm sure it will all be, all, all be lively I'm sure but, um, <laughs> you kind of touched on it already about what, what brought you to London and that was I mean you were three years old then and, yeah. and so what was the situation that brought you here um, yeah so as I said my, my parents are Sh-ta- Sri Lankan Tamils and mm-hmm. um, post independence in Sri Lanka when the British left there was a sort of increasing racial tension between the different ethnicities the, the Sinhalese uh, and the Tamils in Sri Lanka and then it sort of all came to a head in the late 80s mm-hmm. um, and there were huge riots people were getting burnt alive and people were being killed and uh, my parents were living in Colombo and I was a baby very young and they basically felt so unsafe that they had to leave so they managed to get an an emergency visa from Amnesty International and they just right. you know managed to get on a plane I already had an, I think an aunt who was living here at the time so they they came to the UK but they didn't really apart from my aunt they didn't know anyone else here and right. um, they'd never been to Europe never been to the UK didn't know anything about the country right. didn't really wa- like didn't actually want to leave their country of course, yeah. Um, yeah. and yeah so I was sort of brought up with that strong sort of sense of we're just here because we have kind of had to be here yeah. we had to leave yeah um we're not from here and we don't we're not british but we also even in sri lanka I mean, this is the thing about racism because you think oh it's racist in europe and racist in america but actually i mean sri lanka that was extreme racism they had to leave because of racism from mm. their own country mm. um so racism exists you know exists everywhere yeah so we came here with this sort of feeling of not really not knowing the country not knowing anything about the place I just came to London and in London there's there's a huge Sri Lankan community here yeah um, so I kind of grew up within that community a lot a lot of my right. growing up so there. is there a specific Sri Lankan community in London that your parents were kind of drawn into and uh, helped along because it must have been very challenging for them in yeah the first instance so. yeah there's a, there's a huge like Tamil refugee community in, in England well in England but specifically in London mm-hmm. um, and there's like shops where people can get their Sri Lankan groceries and there's schools where they can learn Tamil and there's like music classes where they can learn the traditional instruments they're basically trying to keep that culture going and keep those networks going because back in Sri Lanka family and community are the most important thing so mm-hmm. when you come to the UK it's such a different setup um, yeah, yeah. that they, they want to try and keep that going um, and I, that's how I grew up uh, but then at some point you feel like that I'm not the same as you so that, yeah. that was an important thing as well because I think as a as a kid of refugees or as a, a sort of really young refugee yes. in the UK you, you really do have a sense that you're not Sri Lankan or you're right. not because my parents feel Sri Lankan they grew up there they're from there mm-hmm. um, but you also feel like you're not British so you kind of are in a very strange place yes um, neither one thing nor, nor yeah, the other for and, sure and, we, and you're trying to trying to absorb both cultures I suppose and work out who you are in, in amongst all exactly, of this exactly yeah. yeah and and I think London is a good place to do that because 
in essence, you can kind of be whoever you want here. No one's going to judge you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if I was in some another place where I felt like I didn't fit in, yes. that would have been a lot harder. Yeah, yeah, yes. And did your parents ever believe then, or, and made you believe that you would go back to Sri Lanka? Was it always that you were just here, um, but you'll be going back soon? Or was it always no. a that you you were here and that's that's it this is this is going to be your life um i think that we couldn't actually physically go back until about 2008 because the conflict was still ongoing um so that's very relatively recently um and i think they've been so traumatized from the country like everything everything they had had gone all their property all their cash they had to retrain when they came here like their degrees and all that all taken away so for them like when they went back or if they wanted to go back they'd be really paranoid and suspicious so I don't think they thought of going back, but they did. I guess they did idealize it a little bit because it's the country where they're from, of and course. they were kind of going, "Oh, in Sri Lanka you can do this, in Sri Lanka you can do that, in Sri Lanka you can, you know, do something else." But um, I guess that that was the Sri Lanka of the seventies and eighties, and mm. then um, and it's all changed, completely yeah, changed, completely changed yeah, yeah, completely changed. So. And we'll get onto that soon. <laughs> okay. So I mean, obviously, you came here as a as a three year old child. So in terms of the challenges that you faced growing up in in London what were there challenges for you did you find or or were you just a kid growing up in an environment where there were lots of children in a similar situation to yourself um yeah i think well i think the first the point to, to make is london's a very diverse area so i grew up in tooting mm-hmm. initially and then we moved to kingston upon Thames. so when i was in tooting which is like back then was really a kind of immigrant hub but lots of Caribbean uh, kids like Caribbean descent and Indians, Pakistanis, Sri Lankans, so that was pretty much everyone who was there. When I was growing up there, I had no problems at all, you know, mm. totally fine. Everyone, it was so many different cultures, yes. and you kind of learned from the different cultures. So I probably knew more about Caribbean culture than I did about white British culture, just because like that was the, the context that I grew up in. Right. Oh, yeah. um, and then we moved to uh, Kingston because my parents wanted to get me into a better school mm-hmm. and I think there's when I started to struggle because that was um, kind of very middle class very white and I totally did not fit in yeah a very uh, different totally uh, different environment yeah isn't it? Both, both in London both mm. different of parts of London I mean that's the thing about London isn't it, it it's two worlds almost side by side totally. isn't it? yeah yes so you struggled a bit with that yeah I, I, th- I think I did um, just because of things like, you know, privilege and things like that, I never really thought about. But then I, I was sort of like confronted with that a little bit and, and ideas of kind of not belonging, not fitting in, and, and not necessarily an overt sort of people going, oh, you don't fit in, but more, I guess, feeling like you're not one of this group of people and mm-hmm. you, as a consequence, in, you know, you don't get in, in these sort of um, old boys club or you don't get into the special uh, clique that some people can just ride over sure. their whole lives. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas in, in Tooting, in that sort of immigrant hub, no one belonged here. So everyone kind of was in the same mindset of we've got to all work really hard because nothing's going to be given to us on a plate. Mm-hmm. Whereas, mm-hmm. So, so that felt a bit more comfortable comfortable or yeah. kind of it made more sense to me whereas when I went to Kingston it was just like really strange yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and is that maybe why I mean West Norwood is seems really again kind of uh, more multicultural I yeah. suppose as a as a district of or part of London yeah um, and there's, there's a Caribbean restaurant up the road I just yeah. saw and then yeah. there's Italian and then there's uh, yeah. um, a Chinese restaurant so it's it, it's 
a real mix. I mean, I know you get that in other communities too, but it feels more real here. I don't oh, know if that's if I'm right. In yeah, yeah, that, it, so. it feels very. Un- I mean, I mean, things might be changing now, but it feels quite unpretentious, and that people. Yeah, it's a big. Um, melting pot. I don't think people think too much about race or, or where people are from. So having moved to, to Kingston and finishing off school, did you stay in the UK or did you go to university here or did you go off travelling? Did you go to find your roots? I mean, all these questions for you, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, so after, after school I went to uni in London, Kings in London. Yeah, I didn't actually leave the city for a few years and then I... I think I got a bit depressed actually. I just had an episode of depression and then I was really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the first time that I travelled. I just got a ticket to Ecuador. And, oh my goodness. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm a sort of South London kid. I, my parents had never taken me to any forest or any, any, I mean, apart from a park, never gone camping, didn't go to any sort of natural spaces never really left London right um, and then went to the Amazon oh, <laughs> yeah and then I just sort of had this trip where I traveled down from Ecuador way down to Bolivia uh, through Peru and worked on a um, mandarin farm yeah that bl- blew my mind so I took a year out of university whilst I was in university and just sort of did that so that was amazing and I was in medical school so then yes. I came back I was in South America and sort of learned a lot about socialized medicine and their sort of ethos of, of health and universal healthcare. And then I thought about the UK and how that's so amazing, the system that we have. Yes. Um, so I came back and finished my degree and then I started working. But I think the travel really, I mean, it, it kind of saved my life because I was in not a great space. And mm-hmm. um, it was something about um, kind of what I mentioned about the Amazon, sort of connecting to nature, being in the city yes. and being in this really raw, uh, open, undomesticated natural environment, which mm. I've never been in before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also meeting people, you know, when you're on your own, I was just solo traveling and I met so many amazing people. Yeah. And, you yes. know, I, just, I had dinner with a guy just a few weeks ago who's an art professor from New England in the States and we met floating in a rubber ring. Down the, down the Amazon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about going off and traveling, isn't it? it, it it's a humbling experience, but yeah. it also it, it takes you out of your own world to such a degree and introduces you to things that you couldn't possibly think of totally. uh, until you do it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's something I say to everybody, you have to uh, go somewhere. You don't have to go far, but yeah. just to get out and to go yourself if you can, because yeah. that's the way that you meet people totally. and, and, um, and see yourself in a different way. As, as a result, because yeah. so, you, you can very easily get so pigeonholed in, in your own environment yeah. that you've grown up in, and you need to get out of that to see that actually you're, you're, you're not that, you're, you're many other things too. Totally, it gives you so, perspective about yourself. It you, yeah, does. You, you can't necessarily see that in your, yeah. in your normal life. Yes. Okay, so we'll just break it up for a moment now with a few quick fire questions. So, favourite form of London transport, bus, tube, or something else? You can probably guess. I think it's going to be bicycle. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally yeah, bicycle. 100%. You're 100% yeah, bicycle. 100%. Yes. And I just kind of, I mean, I, I just see people honking on the cars or people like stuck in a bus, like not moving in traffic. And yeah. I'm just makes me so happy to have a bicycle. It's just freedom and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I agree. Happy. I know you have to be really careful. I mean, we all can easily be uh, knocked off our bicycles. You have to just be a bit careful, don't you? But yeah, it just gives you a freedom. Yeah, you have your wits sure. about you. Favourite place on a sunny summer's day? A London park or the Thames? I think definitely a London park. You know, I mm. think that would be Brockwell Park for me. Brockwell Park, yeah. Okay. It's got a special place in my heart. 
yeah, I think Brockwell Park on a on a sunny day can feel like you're in in the countryside, and you can find corners where you can just escape from everyone, even if it's crowded. Yeah, I think there's a Lido, isn't there? Brockwell yeah, Park. yeah, yeah. So I go, I yes. winter swim in the Lido. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was crikey. there this week. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like seven degrees. Wow. Um, and yeah, so so I would my my perfect sunny day would be a dip in the Lido, and then yeah, maybe a nice little bike ride, and then on top because it's a big hill, you can see into the city from there just to kind of unfurl a blanket and then just to have a little picnic would be yeah really yeah nice. that sounds like so obviously it's that's on my list now because in fact <laughs> i did go on i think one of the hottest days of last summer yeah. to brockwell park yeah. uh, to the lido yeah. and there was no way i was getting in no, because it was such queue. a queue if you go now so, you should be getting yeah, in, it would in be quickly good. yeah i don't know whether i would survive <laughs> though, this was too cold for me but anyway maybe i should give it a go with a wet with a wetsuit or a dry suit on or something. yeah yeah or you know it's just it's just there's a little swedish sauna as well they've got so you could just dip into the water and just come out and warm yourself up in the sauna. Oh, and, yeah. I didn't know about that, so Well, that's tempting. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll try that. Street food or pub grub? Ooh, this is, this is a tough one. I guess... I mean, maybe it's because it's winter now, but I'm a big fan of like roaring fires and mm. like hearty pub food. Yeah. Um, especially at this time of year. So definitely no street food right now. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be inside. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. But I used to work on Herne Hill Market actually on a Sunday uh, near, nearby, and the street food there is really, really great. And it's is nice it? to chat to people. I mean, it's nice to chat to people who are like producing their the, their own their companies and they're really passionate about their food. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, they're all well. independent, aren't they? All and, independent, yeah. And very different. In fact, there's um, some sisters from, I think they were from Lucknow. Okay. And they used to have a, a stall in Lower Marsh, and I think they now um, have set up their stall at, at Heron Hill Market. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, so. Yeah. And do you have a favourite go-to pub with that roaring fire? Or are you going to keep that a secret? <laughs> um, yeah, the roaring fire. Well, there's a, my favourite pub is actually the Canton Arms, which is up in Stockwell. Um, I don't know if they have a roaring fire, but they've got a beautiful crimson, uh, sort of like the main room's beautifully crimson. It feels like it's on fire because it's, cause it's <laughs> it so warm. It warms you up. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the so colour warms you up. And I haven't been to that one. I'll have to try that Check too. So, so um, do you have a favourite London expression? Or uh, English phrase that you use. Oh, right, that, a favourite London expression. Yeah, or English um, phrase that kind of bemuses people. <laughs> well, I don't think my favourite expressions probably aren't like uh, appropriate for your podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the uh, keep but, it clean, please. <laughs> <laughs> keep it clean. <laughs> Try my best. Uh, I guess. I mean, I like the sound of words. I remember um, when I was in the states. I was, you know, I had a girlfriend who was in the states, and I was wearing these dungarees and I just kept saying the word dungaree and they just they just thought it was like a weird sort of made up word I like the word dungaree dungaree yeah okay. and it just sounds I mean, the more you say it the more ridiculous it sounds, sounds yeah. yes just say it, say it like 20 times and you'll all right we'll go with that one then okay. dungaree it is <laughs> so we're going to go on to our, our second round of questions home was originally Sri Lanka yeah um do you yourself as a result of I mean you left when you were three years old yeah do you have any memories of that time at all I mean three is very difficult isn't it you don't really remember much at three but no I mean no I, I flashbacks or anything yeah yeah I've got it's got um two I've got one of my grandfather cutting coconut with this long like stick with a blade on the end of it and then because uh, it bring it down with the stick and then mm. he just sliced the top of it and then poured it into like this long glass and it right. was really really cool oh, wow. and um I've got a memory of my grandma singing to me actually when I was really really young but yeah the 
I don't really have much memory of Sri Lanka. It was pretty, yeah, it was three years old, so yes. fleeting. And now that you've been to South America, and I imagine you have been to Sri Lanka now yourself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And have you family or friends of family that, that are there? or How do you see your, your original homeland, as it were? So that's such an interesting question. I mean, um, so I hadn't gone there for a long time. And then after, yeah, after 2008, we started going back after the conflict finished. And my granddad passed away like uh, maybe two years ago. And I've been going back every year since since then and just before he died as well. Yes. Um, so I've got a chance of knowing it on my own in my own right. So I've yeah. taken the buses around and got to know it. And yeah, it's a really weird thing because when I'm there, I feel so British. I feel like I'm going, just sort of going on about Branston Pickle and Marmite <laughs> and I'm like carrying Cadbury's chocolate and I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm really British. And then yes. when I come back here, I'm like, like, if I go to Cornwall, if I go to somewhere, definitely somewhere in the countryside, I feel like I don't fit in you know, totally don't belong here. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I think it's, um, I think the Sri Lankan bit, I've got Sri Lankan bits of me and I've got British bits of me. And yes. when I'm there, the Sri Lankan bits of me are like, ah, oh, okay, this, you know, this feels kind of familiar. I can understand all this stuff. But, you know, I think there it's, it's really interesting because the Sri Lankan bits of me have been, it's almost like this diaspora community. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of, Sri Lanka's moved on, you know, yes. even when my parents go there, they kind of get culture shock. They're like, oh Do my God, really? yeah, because yeah. they're, they're used to a certain thing and it's moved on, it's changed. Um, so what the, the Sri Lankan culture I was brought up with was this kind of in a bubble because it's not um, it's not connected to the rest of the culture. It's sort of like this migrant bubble mm. in, in the UK. So I think that when I go back, things feel familiar, but they also feel really, really different. Did, it, did they actually feel the, the bubble? Did it feel like it was almost... A frozen in time bubble yeah. um, in terms of food as well, or just uh, or, or certain cultural ri- sort of rits or uh, um, that you that you did then. But that in Sri Lanka now, people would look at you strangely that we yeah. don't do that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I think I think I mean it, if you make the parallel with the UK, if you had English people who left England in the nineties and went somewhere, and then they they had kids and. The, the, the only thing that the kids knew about England was what their parents told them, nothing else. Mm. Um, that you would have a strange idea of England. Like of England's course, so diverse, yes. different different people. You like look at Brexit, look at um, look at the politics, look at the music, the culture. Mm. It's really um, like heterogeneous. You know, lots lots of different influences, and people disagree with each other. Whereas what I got brought up with was this is Sri Lankan culture. This is it. And when you go there, you find out it's not true at all because there's, yeah. it's really diverse. It's as diverse as British culture, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I got brought up with a specific brand of Sri Lankan culture. <laughs> okay. And when I went there and I kind of explored the place on my own, I found out that that was not, it's not like representative of what it is. It's actually really diverse. And it's, um, but, you know, I wouldn't ever say that I didn't feel, when I was growing up, I thought, oh, if I go back to Sri Lanka, I feel this connection with the, with the earth, with the people. And I, I never, I've never felt You've that. You've never felt that? No, no. And how about the language? Uh, is that something where you brought up speaking uh, Tamil? Tamil, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Brought up speaking Tamil. So when I hear Tamil, I always feel at home. It doesn't right. matter where I am. Spoken in in India, in Sri Lanka, in like Singapore, and lots of different countries. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, when I as soon as I hear it, I feel much more. I feel at home. Yeah. So, so, so things like food and language are always they make me feel at home when I was in Sri Lanka. But um, the thing about Sri Lanka is that even though the conflict's finished it's sort of in the air because it's never it's not like they had a good friday agreement sort of thing like ireland they didn't have a peace process they didn't have a 
um, sort of uh, reparations, like mm -hmm. Rwanda. They, it was just bloodshed, and then that was it. But, and then they just carried on, and it, no one talks about it. So in the air when I'm there, because basically I don't forget why we had to leave. I can't just switch that off and no. say, oh, now I'm on holiday in Sri Lanka. It's like it's always in my mind. So when I'm there, I'm really sort of hyper vigilant. So I, I never feel super relaxed there. I'm always right. slightly on edge. I remember someone saying to me, oh, that traveling around somewhere and they said, oh, this is your country too. And I just remember thinking, no, it's really not. But, you know, it's, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I think that, I think I, the thing that I, um, I've learned is, I know some people uh, have a really strong sort of um, link to a certain country or a certain culture. But yeah. for me, it's, that doesn't really exist. I wouldn't say I'm British or Sri Lankan. I'd say I'm neither. I've just got bits of both. Yeah, I just think it's it's really complex. I'm still trying to understand it now, to be mm -hmm. honest. I think that people there are just getting on with their lives, but it's it's um, it's kind of quite precarious. You is know? it like the kind of it's like the elephant in the room that that totally. is there, but, yeah, yeah. but nobody dares talk about it in case it kicks off again, or, or sort or is of it yeah. Just well, it, I mean, there was genocide in 2008. It was total genocide, and you know the, the government has been accused of war crimes. But obviously, you can't just go from that situation to forgetting about it and moving on there's no there's no been no process so no. yeah it is the elephant in the room and if you're from the UK and you go there and you want to sort of talk about this kind of stuff people there are really reluctant to talk of about course, it because they yeah. they have been traumatized it's and very raw in their minds still so totally. if, especially if they haven't been able to process it it's just kind of been brushed under the carpet totally yeah. yeah so the Tamils that I feel are very um disempowered they're just sort of you know a lot of them have lost like if you look at my family we've lost all so, I mean, if you talk about connection to land as well, I mean, in the north and east is where the, most of the Tamils used to live. Mm. And after the conflict, a lot of them have left. And now my family live in Colombo, which is this, it's a nice city in a way, but it's just, it's a million miles away from where they used to live. They're from the countryside, they're from Jaffna, which is very culturally completely different. And they're mm -hmm. in this completely different city. So when I go visit them, you know, I don't have much family, I literally have my grandma and my aunt and uncle, everyone else has left. And where my family are from, it's just like a ghost town. You know, there's no one there. There's so no one there. so even within right. Sri Lanka, I wouldn't go and see my family and go, oh, this is where we're from. This is amazing. So you haven't even got somebody in Jaffna that you can say, well, this is what we used to do. And this no, is, no, 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 no. So it's yeah. just like... It's a ghost town and everyone's left. I mean, there's whole villages where everyone's come to Europe or Australia or because it's because of all the war. So the place, mm. the place is empty. And yeah, so if I had family there, maybe it would be different, but... They've been internally displaced in their own mm -hmm. country, haven't they? So, yes, yeah. So yeah, when I go and see them, it's not amazing, like in terms of that connection. Yeah. It's, they're, they're they're trying to make ends meet where they are. As yes, well, so. they're dealing with their own trauma for having had to move themselves yeah. away as well. So yeah. So, in terms of going back there to live, would would you ever consider that, or do you feel that, for the time being, London's home? Um, yeah, I mean, I was considering it a little bit because I was at this yoga camp just before Christmas in Sri Lanka uh, on, the, on the south coast and it was amazing and you had all these Australian yoga teachers who'd start buying up properties and they were like, I was like, well, why shouldn't I do that? I mean, that sounds yeah. amazing and it's like a stunning area where this yoga camp is. But the, the thing is that I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind living there, but I wouldn't trust that it would be stable in terms of like politically. I think it's, it's really still quite... Um, tumultuous and you've had those bombing attacks uh, in Easter and then you've mm -hmm. had the recent elections you know if I invested in the property I don't think I would necessarily trust that it, everything would be okay so 
I think I'd be happy to visit, and I'm I'm going back every year. Right. Uh, trying to go back every year. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure that I would live there. But I think I would like to live somewhere tropical because I think <laughs> <laughs> it's it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Yeah, yeah. I just feel so much happier when it's warmer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> and I'm not even tropical. <laughs> you, you visit. I'm from Scotland, for goodness sakes. <laughs> I went to Australia, and I believe that it thinned my blood, and that's why I have this need for for the heat. <laughs> Regularly. <laughs> if I was going to Sri Lanka, for the, which I haven't been to, but it is on my list, uh, very high up on the list to visit, where would you suggest I should go? It's slightly off the beaten track as well. Hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think the main places people go are sort of Candy and yes, Ella, the tea yeah, those, all those places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, the places that I like, there's a place called Talala Beach, which is near Marshall on the south coast, and that's this is where that yoga camp was, and it was just stunning. It's still quite unspoiled, and it's gorgeous cove. It's got lush jungle on either side, and you've got this white sand, and it's just stunning. Mm-hmm. I think Jaffna is actually a really interesting place because it's very untouristic right. because because of all the problems that, that have been there but um, I think you get a real kind of sense of Tamil culture when you go up, up there right. and it's really really it's very different to the rest of Sri Lanka yes um, so I'd say take that place out and also I don't know I think the middle of Sri Lanka is really amazing for hiking there's a knuckles mountain range which is mm-hmm. pretty well, wild like d- dense right uh, jungle in, and like kind of feral mountains so I think that those are cool places to go right. but yeah they're definitely off off the beaten track. Beaten track and yeah. very different, so that's quite good. In terms of the food as well, yeah. is it very different between the south and the north? Oh, or yeah. Between Tamil food and. Singhalese food, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Singhalese food, yeah. Totally different, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamil food's really. More spicy, is it? No, it's just it's just different. <laughs> it's um, I mean, co- I mean, most Sri Lankan food has coconut and chili in, chili in it, mm-hmm. and so Tamil food's got a lot of that. But it's there's like special dishes so like um there's string hoppers which is rice flour and kind of almost like steamed noodles mm-hmm. um and then there's some really hot curries and sambals yeah you'd have to i mean it's really hard to talk about it you have to <laughs> eat it and so did your mother teach you how to cook these dishes i mean ca- can you can you cook these yeah i d- definitely not as good as her but yeah i can kind of i can Im- try and imitate her a little bit but they're really labor intensive yes uh, you need a good few hours to go Do you? yeah yeah, yeah but and a couple of sous chefs as well to yeah if you. you're lucky <laughs> okay you've talked about your fondest what a fondest is it a fondest memory about your grandfather or is that have you other fond fond memories yeah so about I mean the place so, so just a, a quick thing about I, the, the the Sri Lankan identity thing is really yeah. interesting because my grandparents for me um, they're the they're the people that I feel most connected to in terms of the Sri Lankan thing because they're they were before this generation before this war generation they yes. they they are just comfortable with their sense of identity you don't know mm-hmm. how to leave anywhere they don't have to go anywhere they've always sort of grown up there and lived their lives there and they're really rooted to the country and to that culture so that when I you know I was really lucky to grow up with them and I had this strong sense of Sri Lankan-ness through them yes and you know for me that's like a really important part of my connection to that country is is more through my grandparents right rather right. than through my parents mm-hmm. um but yeah, fun. I mean, fun mem- memories of Sri Lanka. I think yeah. I think spending time with family. Like I went there this December, and I discovered there's like a, a Tamil Halloween. 
really? <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. They started to lighting these like tea lights and stuff like that, and it's for to stop uh, evil spirits coming in. It's in oh, right. December time. Yeah. Um, and I hung out with my grandma, and you know, my mum and my sister came as well, and we did all these things, and I just never heard of it before. Wow. So I think spending time with family. Also the nature, like I said, like going to that beach was so beautiful and being at that yoga camp. And for a small country, it's really diverse because it's got mountains, it's got beaches, it's got cities, it's got lots to offer. So yes, it's nice yeah. to connect up with that nature. Something that keeps pulling you back to explore more as well, yeah. as well as your family. Yeah, there's yeah. lots to do. Okay, you've made it go even higher up my list of places to go <laughs> now after <laughs> talking to you about this. Okay, I'm going to have another quick round of questions okay. uh, with you. Are you a cinema or theatre goer? I think definitely cinema, yeah, cinema, cinema for sure. Um, Do you have a favourite cinema that you like to go to, or is it more about the film? Um, I think it's more about the film. I know the, uh, the Ritchie in Brixton, I've always got a soft spot for the Ritchie. Yes. They also have bands playing there upstairs now as well. Yeah, have, so yeah, yeah. Which is quite, it's got little thing, different things going on on different levels. Yeah, so, yeah. like a little hub. Good, good, uh, good choice there. Dinner out or nightlife till dawn? <laughs> oh, God. Um, dinner out night life till dawn. I do like having dinner with someone mm. and sort of having a chat with them. Yeah. And then maybe dancing afterwards. Or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where would you go for for both those things? Dinner out. That's such a <laughs> such a good question. Where would I go for a dinner out? I guess. I mean, my friend Isa actually has a. She's got an Italian restaurant. The one you were talking about before, just the garden cafe here. Oh yeah. And oh really? That's yeah. her. Okay. And it's really hearty. I think it's like northern Italian food. So I'd probably go there. And mm -hmm. I know her, and it's nice, like to kind of know the person that yes. you are um, having in the restaurant that you're having dinner in. Yeah. Which is really yeah, nice. Yeah. And um, and she might even give me a free pizza or something <laughs> like that. Throw it, throw it in. <laughs> and um, drinks or dancing afterwards. Well, there's a there's a bar called Cafe Cairo in Clapham North. Um, they're they're like a sort of Bedouin Egyptian themed bar with lots of little um, like rabbit warrens underneath. Okay. Yeah, oh, and, wow, and they've got free toast. Free toast. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah, that's a winner. <laughs> Sold to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll have to check that out when I'm next. You know, got nightlife till dawn. Of course. <laughs> Favorite place to go walking or cycling in or in or around London. Ah, okay, that's a really good question. Uh, Favourite place to go cycling, I'd say, oh, that's a hard one. There's so many good places to go cycling. I think um, I always like, you know, the embankment, actually, because so I started cycling in London about 10 years ago, and yeah. there's so much change. Like now, yes, it has, I think. Yeah, now there's like all these like all the cycle paths and routes. Cycle and paths, yeah, yeah. When I started, they just had like you're just on your own basically, and yeah. it's still not great, but it's it's improved a lot. So I think embankments split off now. They've got their own cycle lane. Cycle yes. lanes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like I love just cycling up and down. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I really like it because you're literally in the centre of London, and yeah, you know, which is really nice. Uh, so that's probably one of my favourite cycle bits. And then walking in London. Um, Sydenham Woods. Okay. Yeah, Sydenham Woods. So the Great North Wood, actually, the, the, the point of the name of the pub is that there used to be a huge wood called the North Wood mm -hmm. uh, across uh, London, across southern England. Right. Uh, and Sydenham Woods is some is like one of the few remnants of that wood. Yeah, Didn't yeah. Realize that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's a tiny, it's an ancient woodland, but it's a tiny 
speck of what was remaining. No, I don't think I've ever been to Sydney Rose. I mean, I've, I've seen it on the map, but yeah. that's about as far as it's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll have to add that to my list as yeah, well. You've got lots of things I'm, to I'm, get busy I'm going to be very busy. <laughs> okay, so we're on to our third round of questions. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, wow, that's such a... Uh, you know what? I'm t I think I'm too restless to, to pick a single place, but mm. um, I think I'd like to live by the sea. Mm. Um, I just feel more and more it's it's where I'd like to go, and mostly because the sea is always changing. It's very dynamic, you know. It's never the ocean's never the same. It's the energy, isn't it? It's the, the sea, energy, yeah. 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 But also, like you know, what's washed up, you just go out to the beach, and it's like completely different from one day to the next, and yeah. it, um, and you can engage, you can surf and swim, and you, you know. So yeah, I, I'd like to live in the sea, maybe a warm part of the world. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I love South America. Um, mm. So maybe I'd like to be there for a few, maybe a few years. But I, I think I get too scared if I think about um, the rest of my life. But just maybe the next few years. I'd, okay, I'd that's love, fine. Yeah, that's yeah fine. I'd love to go back to South America. Okay. Do you have, well, I think I know the answer to this question already. Um, do you have wanderlust or are you very much an armchair traveller? Totally wanderlust. <laughs> like, I mean, I think one of, the, one of the, I wanted to say this before, but when I came into your bookshop, it was like, I think it's how other people think about DIY shops, like a kind of B&Q thing. You go in there and you, you've got a project and yes. you can get your things to the project to make a table and make a, you know, fix your yes. door or something. I don't really do that very often, but for me, when I saw your shop going up, I thought, this is great. I mean, just from a utilitarian point of view, like I travel, I have to travel, I need to travel, and this is going to be perfect because I can use it as fuel to like yes. propel me forward. So yeah, inspire you and inspire and, uh, me. Yeah, uh, yes, or give you ideas of things to do. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know. I think when I stop traveling, I'll just be like, be not get a good. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like we just there. have to keep traveling, basically. <laughs> of course, you'll be on cruise ships around the world, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Be your own cruise ship. Because some of the cruise ships today are with three thousand people. That doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. No, no, that I'd have horrible. to be on one with ten or something. So. <laughs> or just on a boat on my own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I would need um, somebody to steer. I don't think I'd be very good at that. <laughs> Google Maps. Google Maps, <laughs> exactly. I don't think I'd be very good in the, sto in the storm, though. That's the thing. So. <laughs> What place would you say has had the biggest impacts on you of the places that you've visited so far in, in the world? Ooh, um, I was really lucky when I went the first time to South America. I spent about half my budget on a on a week of travel, and that was going to the Galapagos Islands. Wow! Yeah, and I managed to get out there. I I, um, I got this really cheap boat, um, and I managed to spend a week there. And I had like a romance in the Galapagos. <laughs> Not with a marine iguana with a person, <laughs> but yeah. But this idea that also that this is almost a sense of what the world would be like without humans, this right. like, kind of untouched yes. nature yes. as much as possible, and this wildness of the place. And you always hear about the Galapagos from that David Attenborough documentaries and stuff, and you're actually yeah. there. And yeah, and I just it blew my mind Did because it? I'm a big nature yeah. lover, but it, I just couldn't understand. I'm living on a boat for a week, but I've never done that before. No. That was very cool. Was it? You didn't get cabin fever at all? Right? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, we, we basically had the nights on the boat, but we were like, most of the days we were just snorkeling and stuff. And I, I had one of my near-death experiences there because I got caught up in a riptide uh, oh. trying to find a green turtle. And I'd never, you know, coming from oh, South gosh. London, never knew what a riptide, riptide was. Yeah, yeah. No, no. only found out afterwards. And um, I was trying to find this, and someone said, oh, there's a turtle out there. And I, I just swam out and I was like, wow, I'm really quick at swimming but I was getting really fit I was zooming out and then I just 
found the turtle, just hung out with the turtle, and I just thought, okay, now I'm going to come back. And I just turned around, and I was moving backwards. Oh and I got goodness. really freaked out. And I managed to get back, and I, you know, but it was it was pretty touch and go. So yeah. I think did you did you did anybody come out to rescue? Because they say you have to swim sideways yeah. to get out of it. But in yeah. the moment of panic, I mean, I don't know. I didn't Did know. you know how no, to do no, that? No, no, I'd never heard about Ripley, what you were meant not to do, and I swam against it. Oh, and exhausted and then I, yourself. Yeah, and I was, I was waving for help, and everyone was just waving back from the beach. <laughs> you know, so that's the thing. It was like properly like near-death experience, and I, I just came back, and I was like so relieved to be alive. And I think it was that combination of extreme beauty, yeah. wilderness, and kind of unearthly sort of magical quality to the place, and then also having that near-death experience yeah. put together yes. uh, in the context of this trip as well, which is kind of life-changing in and of itself. Definitely. So, yeah, yeah. that is, that's probably the place that I've changed. And also the sea, it really, I mean, something like that is humbling, but it also treats you to have total respect for the sea. Oh, yeah, and, and, for sure. um, it has a power that will take you away if you're not yeah. if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. So. At least it's well, the green turtle, though. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been to the Galapagos <laughs> Islands. I'd love to go. It's also on the list. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got so many places to visit. I've got. <laughs> we'll finish this podcast before yeah, before you, I head yeah, off. Before you um, go on with adventures. So, um, well, in fact, I think we're actually up to our our final question. Oh, okay. So. If you had one piece of advice to give someone coming to London for the first time, yeah, what would it be? What would it be? I think um, just be open because I think that in London, as I said, you know, I don't think people judge you at all. Really, I think it's a really open city, mm-hmm. and you can kind of be yourself essentially, which I think I think for me the major strength. So I think in order to sort of explore it and to get the best out of it you, sh- you need to be open yourself if you're kind of worried or scared or thinking about this might not be the right place for me this might i yeah. might not fit in here you're going to miss out on lots of opportunities so i think just forget you know put put that to the side and just explore be yeah. open and just get involved with all the cool things that are going on yeah and, I, and as you rightly say i mean it's, it's an awareness well, i mean that's hindsight though isn't it that that london has so much to offer and so many different groups of people as well that maybe the if the first lot don't Float your boat, as yeah. it were. There'll be other um, communities or places to get involved with, or people to get involved totally, with. Yeah. That will be your kind of people. Yeah, because London. I mean, when I came from from Scotland as well, it was my first year was incredibly tough. Yeah. To, trying to trying to work out where did I fit into yeah. this huge metropolis. But you do, you do find it's like swimming against the riptide at times, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's a hard city to be in unless you have your tribe or you have a sense of people that you can you, you trust and people that you, you enjoy spending time with otherwise it can be quite hard but I think there, there's so many yeah like you said there's so many different tribes of people like I, I volunteer at the Brockwell Park community greenhouses and that's yes. it's just like another world and there's yeah. all these sort of carp, you know green woodworking carpenters spoon enthusiasts and mm. like urban gardeners and all that mm. kind of stuff and mm. it's a whole different scene there and so I think if whoever you are there's going to be space for you definitely in fact actually that's a very good point about volunteering is it's a great way to get into to meet people and and also to get to know a bit of london as well if you're not sure where you want to be initially it's it's a safe space as well generally when you're volunteering too so you're giving 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 of yourself giving back to the community as well so yeah well dana this has been such a fascinating 
conversation with you. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And, and I've learned a lot as well about Sri Lanka. Yeah. I've been wanting to talk to you about it for such a long time. So it took a podcast <laughs> for us actually to sit down and have this conversation. I'm, I'm glad. So thanks so much for, for coming on the show and sharing your thoughts of London, the world and life. Okay. We'll obviously share with the listeners all the links that we can of the things that you've been talking about and places as well. And to all you travelling through podcast listeners out there, I hope it's been inspiring for you and you've got some good takeaways from the show. Of course, we'll put the links to everything that we have talked about in the show notes. If you found the show interesting, enjoyable, please share with your friends. Please do subscribe. Do give us a rating and a review because that's always very helpful and Jana will be interested to know what you got to got to say about the podcast so we'll be back next week with more traveling through tales from london's melting pot of cultures the london pool what makes you stay and what makes you leave but for now take care and thanks for listening